This is The Rooted Podcast, a conversation about the Christian worldview and its implications for every part of life. The Rooted Podcast is hosted by Steve Royce and Brady Johnson. Together, they have over two decades of experience in the business and tech industries and share a desire to help others filter all of life through the Christian faith. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Rooted Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Brady. And on this episode, we'll discuss three conversational tools that'll help you stay focused and be more effective the next time that you find yourself sharing your faith or having a spiritual conversation. Yeah, so we're going to jump right in. This is the second episode having to do with presentations and just giving giving your side of the story about what you believe and why you believe it. So Our first tool is something that comes from the sales world and marketing world that uh, we both come from, and it is something that is referred to as feature function benefits. And when it comes to talking about or selling a product, the first big rule of sharing information is known, at least in my circles, as Feature Function Benefit, or FFB. Put differently, the progression of this Feature Function Benefit goes like this. Really what what they're getting at is it's what is it, what does it do, and then lastly and most importantly, what does it do for me or for you, the customer. So in a nutshell, this means that whenever you're talking about a product or your service, you must always tie the feature and the function part of the product to the direct impact that it will make in the customer's day-to-day life. If you don't do that, then all you're doing is throwing information at them. But if you give them the direct benefit that it's going to make in their life, now you're building value. And so that's why it's such an important, uh, important tool. So let me give you a quick example from... Uh, an automotive presentation because that's what I'm familiar with. So let's say that I know because I did my needs assessment and I asked lots of good questions up to this point, let's say that I know that the person that I'm talking to is interested in the performance aspects of the vehicle that we happen to be looking at. So in that case, using this, this formula, feature function benefit, I might say something like, Hey, did you know that the engine in this vehicle gets 15% more torque than the previous version of this engine, but it's just as fuel efficient? So that's my feature. That's what it is. Next up, here's my function. That means that your off-the-line acceleration is going to be noticeably faster and more fun. So that's my function. That's what it does. Uh, But then, and most importantly, we have the benefit. So we have to tie it all together. And that's where I might say something like, so when you're driving it on a daily basis to and from work, you're going to be able to enjoy all the great pickup that this car has without feeling like you're wasting fuel or having to spend more money at the pump. That's the benefit, right? So we can see in a, in a actual sales example, why 
tying it all together to how is it going to make a difference in your day-to-day life is so important. It makes a, makes a big difference to how the customer perceives, why did you just tell me all this information? Oh, because it's going to make, make my life easier. So how does this, this idea of a feature function benefit statement tie into something like an evangelistic conversation? I think it can tie in in a lot of ways if we modify it a little, because in all honesty, it, it's not going to be a one-to-one. It's a little, it's a little odd to think of how we're talking about our beliefs with someone of like, what does it do or what does it do for me? Right. That's not really how we think about them. And, and so instead of this, what is it, what does it do and what does it do for me? I'm going to suggest that we change that formula slightly for spiritual conversations to when you and I are sharing about our faith, let's let's try to think of it in terms of this progression instead. So first, what do I believe? That's your that's your feature, right? What what is it? Why do I believe it? And then lastly, why should that change things for you, the person that I'm talking to, right? Like so what? What does that have to do with what we're talking about? So let me give you an example of how this could work in a spiritual conversation. Let's say that um, I'm on the topic of evil with someone, and this happens to be a person who says that they don't believe in God, like any God. They They may be agnostic. They may not be sure if there's a God, but they're pretty sure that there isn't, or they may be just uh, an out-and-out atheist. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Their main objection to Christianity or any religious worldview is just that there's way too much evil in the world and that a good and a loving God wouldn't allow that. So here's how this feature-function-benefit approach, again, modified, the modified version we just talked about, could work in response. I could say something like, well, So it seems to me that you're suggesting that evil's existence proves that God couldn't exist, at least the kind of God that I believe in. But I believe that the fact of real evil is actually evidence for the existence of God. So I just said what I believe. Next up, why do I believe it? I believe that because in order for us to say that something is truly evil— and not just a matter of preference, like I like Coke, you like Pepsi, then there has to be something that's truly good to compare it to, like a moral law. And that moral law has to be outside of us as humans, because humans change their standards all the time. So that's why I believe it. So then lastly, why should that change things for this person? So I may say something like, so if the standard of good and evil doesn't come from us, then where does it come from? The only options, as far as I can tell, would be on the one hand saying, well, it just does. But honestly, that doesn't really explain anything. Or your other alternative is that it comes from a being that isn't us. And I call that being God. So it seems like you could either stop believing in evil or you could start believing in God. And that's why things should change for you, right? So we can see that progression of what do I believe? Why do I believe it? 
And what does that mean for you? Why does that, why should that change your mind about what we're talking about? Now, for most of us, that's going to require some serious introspection and thought, some careful study of scripture and probably a lot of reading. I'll be the first to say that because the truth is, I think that most of us would be okay with the first and the third part of this process, but probably not the second. And what I mean is I think most of us would say that we feel pretty solid on what we believe. And we also feel pretty solid that others should agree with us and they should believe it too. (laughs) But what we're probably not as solid on is why we believe it, right? Using reasons, arguments, evidence, scripture references, and other things that the person that we're talking to can see and can evaluate for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. If we want to convince ourselves of something, then maybe going with our gut or our intuition is going to be sufficient reason for us to believe it. But if you're trying to convince someone else of something, then your gut just isn't going to cut it. That's not good enough. So do you know, this is the question, do you know why you believe what you believe? And moreover, can you articulate it? And if not, then maybe, I don't know, maybe you have some work to do in this area. Yeah. And that's some really good stuff too. You know, it takes us into our our next tool, which is kind of that three to five rule, you know, in sales, it's kind of considered as a general best practice to really only discuss about three to five key features uh, with a customer during a single exchange. You know, that might seem somewhat counterintuitive, uh, especially if you know that there's so much more that you could possibly share. But the reason for doing that is really simple. You just don't want to overwhelm the person. You don't want to overstimulate them or give them kind of that analysis paralysis, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Um, And to avoid doing that, you want to stick to the three to five rule. And you can always leave the door open for future conversations and you can cover more things another time if they're still interested. So a good example would be in a computer sales environment. Uh, If I know that a customer has mentioned that they're a graphics designer or, you know, they work in design, uh, I know they're going to need and benefit from very specific computer parts, right? You've got your graphics card or the GPU that's going to handle a lot of the graphics computation. You're going to have the processor, which is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for the math equations. And then you're going to have, you know, your RAM, which is going to store stuff in memory. What they care about are those three things. And I should highlight those because they're directly relevant to their needs for doing graphic design. And they offer the most benefit to the customer. And based on that, I shouldn't waste any of their time showing them the cooling system or how cool the, the case looks or, you know, maybe how much hard drive space. However, again, that could relate to it. Um, but there's all these additional features. And for me as a computer guy, you know, I might nerd out and say, oh, I want to talk about, you know, the other 50,000 things that this thing can do. But again, it's not relevant. So, yeah. um, you know, the less important stuff can be covered at a different time. Again, if they're interested in that and if it's relevant to maybe more discovery uh, through the needs assessment that continues through the, the first conversation. And so in an evangelism context, you know, I should have an idea of what this person cares about, again, through that, that good needs assessment. And I'm looking for that kind of big deal topic or, or topics and really looking for what they're most interested in talking about or hearing about. So again, following these three to five rule, uh, the three to five rule would just tell me that I need to cover those topics first and not to move on to any other topics until they feel like we've kind of adequately covered them and gone over everything and they're satisfied. 
this could be true even if they're the one that's trying to change the subject, if they're trying to switch topics in the middle of what you're talking about. And if that happens, you can just say something like, so we can totally change topics and start talking about that now. But I was under the impression that this specific topic was more important to you. And plus, I think that what I'm sharing will answer one of your big questions that you mentioned earlier. And if that's still important to you, then let's finish up here before moving on. If that's not true, we can talk about something else now. Which would you prefer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just let them let them tell you. Right? right. Yeah. And you're really putting the ball in the court when and you let them kind of tell you where they want to take the conversation from there anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And obviously, this isn't going to be you know, clean. It can be pretty messy uh, in a real conversation. So, you know, just remember if anything that you remember about this tip, it's don't overwhelm the other person with too much information too fast. Three to five topics in one conversation is plenty to chew on. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll say that it, it seems to me too, that we're, we're making the assumption that the person that you're having a conversation with is genuine, is sincere, that they actually want to know this stuff they want to know what you believe they want to ex- they truly want to exchange ideas and and have a real conversation and part of what i've experienced before and i've certainly seen a lot of other people experience is this uh disingenuous conversation which we've said in previous episodes like hey if, as soon as you get the impression that this isn't a legitimate request or this isn't a genuine uh, person you you have no obligation to continue that conversation. You can pull the plug and walk away, but sometimes you're trying to feel it out and mm-hmm. to determine whether it is or it isn't. And so I've seen examples in the past where like a person says, well, they just have all these objections to Christianity. And so as soon as, as soon as the person starts to try and address one of the things that they mentioned, they just, they throw five other things out there. Mm-hmm. And part of that is it could just be red herrings to try and just overwhelm you with like, oh man, there's just too many things to talk about. And so you can't, can't really get deep on any one thing. You can't see any topic through because they switch tracks on you. Right. And so this is what Brady mentioned is also, it's also a good way of trying to uh, determine that and figure out is this person genuine? Because you can say something like he said of like, well, I I thought that this topic that we were talking about was something that was important to you. You brought it up and said it was a, it was a major thing that you, you know, you have that, that you're dealing with. If that's, if that's true, I think what I'm sharing with you is going to help with that. So do you want to, do you want to keep talking about this? I think it's going to, you know, we'll, we'll get somewhere with it. If that's not the case, then I mean, yeah. What else? What else do you care about? And you can kind of use that as a check, a check in with them. If if it happens again, to say, wait, I thought you said this was what was important. Why do we keep? If it's really important, why are we changing the the subject? You know. Yeah, I think those are some really good points. Yeah. So, um, last up, this is our our third conversational tool for today, and it is this idea of don't tell when you can show. So generally speaking, uh, and this is just a human psychology thing, is that people retain information far, far better when they're actively involved in discovering that information, you know, rather than having it passively delivered to them. You think of like the the lectures from college uh, <laughs> and just how 
mind-numbing they were and, and how little you actually retain. And it's because you're passive the whole time, right? You're just supposed to sit there and soak in information over the airwaves from osmosis. But that's not, we know that that's not how the human brain works. If you If you take a look at neuroscience and how we're wired, it's just not the case. So talking at someone is pretty much the worst approach that you can take most of the time. And this is one of the reasons that we would encourage you to ask a lot of questions because not only is it important for you to get those answers, but it also has the additional benefit of keeping the other person engaged and talking so that they're an active part of this conversation and they're not just passively listening to you drone on. And so when we're talking about an exchange of ideas, which is what this conversation is, and that is basically just talking. And so it can become a challenge to start to think about, well, what can I do to show someone something rather than tell them? I mean, if we're in a conversation, isn't that all I can do? Well, maybe not. So here are a few tips to think about. And these are just examples. I'm sure that if you if you think about it, you will probably come up with more because these are these are just sort of quick and dirty. But here, here's a couple. So if you're talking with someone and you know of a verse that's relevant to what you're, the point you're making, you're saying, hey, I believe this and here's why I believe it. And there's a verse that has to do with why you believe that. Instead of quoting that verse, let's assume that you have it memorized. Well, that's really a good feeling for you to be able to be like, yeah, I nailed it. I, I know that verse and I got to, to quote it and it was perfect, but they don't know that, right? If they're not someone who's read or studied the Bible and they don't know it as well as you, they have no idea if whether or not you quoted it correctly or whether you quoted it in context or out of context. So instead of just quoting a verse to them, if you know of a verse, why don't you take them to that reference either in a, in your physical Bible or on your Bible app or something and then slide it over to them and give them a chance to read it for themselves. And then that way they don't have to take your word for it. They just read it. They know that it's in context because they just read the context. They know that you didn't misquote it because they're reading it for themselves on the screen or on the page. So that's one example. Another one could be instead of telling someone about a book or an article and, and what it says sort of off the top of your head extemporaneously, if you can find a link to it, send it to them, right? And if it's a research article or a blog or something that you can, maybe even you could quickly scan over the article with them in person, just pull it up, pull it up. If you have a laptop or a tablet or a phone, just pull it up and slide it over to them. And maybe you can just look at it and you can scan through it together for, for a minute, just again, so that they can see you're not making this up. This is this is something that um, they can verify. It's coming from a third party. It's not just you, you know, conjuring things out of air. And then the last example that we can we can give of this would be if you if you do happen to have in this conversation, if you happen to have access to a tablet or a, a whiteboard. I, I actually did have a conversation with a, a Muslim gentleman at our church. He agreed to meet me at our church and to have a conversation about the Bible and about its reliability and all this stuff. And we met in the youth room and in our youth room, we have a whiteboard. So I was able to use that during our conversation. Obviously you're not going to 
Yeah, I mean, probably not going to just be walking around with a whiteboard under your arm <laughs> or a flip chart or something like that. But again, like if it's already there, if it's part of the environment, like please don't show up to Starbucks with a flip chart. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to freak people out, right? Like they're going to be like, nope, <laughs> take their latte and they're going to get out. But if, if it's natural, if it's part of your environment that you're already in, like if you're in a classroom, for instance, then you can draw out a point that you're making or better yet, you can hand them the marker and you can let them keep track of what you're saying. So like, for instance, if you're talking about a specific doctrine and you're making a list of all the verses that talk about that doctrine or that question that they have. I mean, you can, you can rattle off the verses maybe, but why not hand them a marker or a pen if they have their own notebook and say, write these down as I'm giving them to you. Not only then can you have them read them back to you and make sure that they're right. And then you can look them up together, but then they have them and then they have a reference for later. If they want to look them up and read them again, they can save them. Right? So those are just a couple ideas of ways that even in the midst of talking and, and having a conversation that you can show rather than tell, and it is going to make a difference in their retention and their engagement. The idea is just to give, give the other person as many ways to engage and to interact as you're talking and to help them stay with you and ultimately to, to retain and remember some of what you're saying. Not everything is going to work in every situation, but I mean, I think, I think you get the point. So, yeah. And I think, you know, when you're thinking about this context, you don't want to leave them thinking that they just got out of a Charlie Brown episode. <laughs> yeah. The wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Like the exactly. teacher, yeah. Where you just like, don't retain anything. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that pretty much covers what we have today. And uh, we really hope that you'll use some of these tools in future conversations. And if you do, please do let us know if they worked out for you. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have any spiritual conversations and how those are going as you are pursuing those discussions about faith with others. And if you haven't uh, already subscribed to us on iTunes or Google Podcast, please consider doing so. And if you're able to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts, it really does help us out. And lastly, if you find any of this content helpful or know anyone who would love uh, our content, please do consider sharing it with others. Uh, we'd love to grow the Rooted Family. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Rooted Podcast, a creation of Rooted Productions and an affiliate of the Oasis Church in Gilbert, Arizona. For more information about the podcast or to submit a question or comment, please visit us at rooted.productions. Follow us on Instagram at rooted.productions or email podcast at rooted.productions. That's rooted.productions. We hope you'll join us next time.